As you're being seated, if you'll go ahead and open up your Bible or turn it on to Ephesians chapter 4, we're continuing to work through the epistle to the Ephesians. Let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, as you look back in your life, as you look back to 2015 and even years before that, what are the areas where God has blessed you? What are the big blessings that God has brought into your life? And particularly as you zero in on how God has equipped you, what type of blessings has God gifted you with? Because here's my second question for you. As you look ahead to 2016, how can you use the gifts that God has given you to honor Him and to help others? It's a spiritual question. How can you use the gifts, the blessings, the experiences? How can you use what God has given you to honor Him and to help others? One of the things that the New Testament teaches us is that each of us has a spiritual gift. And this hour, we have watched people use the gifts that God has given them to honor Him and help others. As the band was leading us in worship, uh, they're using their gift of music to honor Him, help you. Shelby, 16-year-old on that last song, using the gift that God has given her to honor Him and help you. Up in the booth, we have some guys that are techies. I mean, they're more Uh, computer-oriented. They could have an hour-long conversation with you about which is better, Star Wars or Star Trek. But God has used them, and He has equipped them to take the gifts that they have and to help us and to honor Him by making sure that we have good sound and good lights and that everything that takes place within this worship service right now uh, is, is high quality. So all throughout our campus, there are people that are using the gifts that God has blessed them with to honor Him. God has given every believer a gift to be used in worship to Him. And you feel God's pleasure when you open that gift and use it. I like to talk about that term, feeling God's pleasure. There are these times in life where you're right in the middle of God's will, where you are doing something that is part of your divine design, This is why He puts you on planet Earth. And when you're at that moment, you feel the pleasure of God, and you're like, this is a spiritual moment. This is why I'm here, because I'm worshiping Him, and I'm helping others as well. Well, the passage that we're going to look at today begins in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. It builds on what we talked about last week in the first six verses. And the Bible says in verse 7, now grace... It was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took prisoners into captivity, and he gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, as we read those first few verses, I have to ask you, What on earth does the Bible mean here? I mean, you read this passage, and we have grace being given according to the measure of the Messiah's gift, and we have ascending on high and prisoners in captivity and gifts and ascension and dissensions in lower parts of the earth. And I I tend to scratch my head and say, okay, what is the Apostle Paul trying to teach here? Well, let's break it down. First of all, he says that 
grace has been given to each of us. Now, we understand grace. Grace is a undeserved gift from God. The theological definition of grace is unmerited favor. Everybody experiences a measure of the grace of God just by the fact that you're alive, that you're alive and you take up space, you take in air. That's a testimony to the grace of God. But those of us who believe in Christ as Lord and Savior, we experience the grace of God in a special way through our salvation. We have been saved from sin. We have hope. We have forgiveness in Christ. And because of that, we say to ourselves, I did not deserve it, but God has extended to me grace. Now, the Bible also says that we receive this grace according to the Messiah, that is Jesus, according to the Messiah's measurement. Now, particularly within this passage, they're talking about these gifts and that God has extended to us gifts of grace according to Jesus' measurement. Now, Jesus didn't go to the mall. He didn't sit with his angels in a big red chair and give you a candy cane, have you sit on top of his lap and ask what gift you want. No, Jesus made a decision. And the King of Kings, he made a decision to give you a spiritual gift that you would receive, and then you could use that gift in service to him. Well, when you get into verse 8, that's where it really starts getting a little bit confusing because in verse 8, we have ascensions on high and taking prisoners into captivity and then giving gifts to people. Well, it's a military image. It's actually a summary of Psalm 68, which talks about the old military triumphant, and you have Jesus as ascending on high as the conqueror. You see, in Bible times, whenever you won a war, you didn't rebuild the nation that you just attacked. Whenever you won a war in Bible times, you would take all your enemy's stuff. And then the conquering king or the conquering general would then give it to the people. And so the imagery here is that Jesus has conquered death and he has now given gifts to his people. It's the image of a victorious general who is giving out the spoils of victory. Now in verses 9 and 10, we are reminded that before Christ ascended, he also descended. Before you were given the gifts of victory, Christ first faced the sting of death. Before he took his rightful place as king over all, as Lord over all, Christ also took on the likeness of men. He was humbled, the Bible says, to the point of death, even death on the cross. The Christmas story, when God became man, Emmanuel, the story that we just celebrated, that is all a picture of the descension of Christ whenever he came to us. When he died on the cross, he descended into the earth But then he ascended whenever he rose again. He ascended whenever he went up on high, and he was exalted as the king above all. Well, if your mind has drifted through all that theological swampland, then come back to me in verse 11, because in verse 11, the Bible says, and he, talking about Jesus, personally gave gifts, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Now, three times in the New Testament, 
we see lists that give us spiritual gifts. You find it in Romans 12, you find it in 1 Corinthians 12, and you find it again here in Ephesians chapter 4. Now, when you read these lists of gift, what gifts, what you will discover is that the lists are not identical. And it may be that the lists were not intended to be exhaustive, but instead they were intended to teach that God does indeed bless believers with spiritual gift or gifts to be used in service to Him. And the Scriptures teach us very clearly that everyone who is a believer has a gift from God. No matter your personality, background, whether you've been a believer for a long time or for a short time, you have a gift from God. That gift was not given to you for you to hoard. No, that gift was given to you for you to use. Specifically, that gift was given to you to be used within the church so that the church can fulfill its mission. What is the mission of the church? Go and make disciples. Teach everyone to obey everything that Christ has taught us. And so the passage here in Ephesians tells us that we are to use our gifts to train the saints in ministry, to train one another what it looks like to live in church and to care about one another and to minister to people and to meet needs. But those gifts are also given to us to build up the body of Christ. The actual imagery here is that the spiritual gifts, they, they build the strength. They, they muscle up the body of Christ so that the church is stronger because of the gifts that God has given each of us. Now, in the United States, we are somewhat obsessed with testing and measuring everything. And so when we come across a spiritual gift list within the New Testament, we automatically want to take a spiritual gifts test to find out, well, what's my gift? And I don't have any problems with those spiritual gift tests. And if you desire to take a gift survey, then Paul Pack, our discipleship minister, can help you with that. We have a survey that we use around here. I I think that they can be helpful. But, you know, I think sometimes we just make things a little bit too complicated. I think sometimes you just need to look within and ask yourself the question, how has God equipped me? How has He blessed me? Where am I interested? Where are my talents? Where are my abilities? What does my experience bring to the table? What's my perspective? Kind of take inventory of who you are, who God has made you in Christ, and then ask this question, how can I use my blessings to worship God and help the church fulfill its mission. Well, here in Ephesians 4, the Bible talks about five different gifts. The Bible says that some were given to be apostles and prophets. Now, there's some discussion about exactly what are the gifts of apostleship and prophecy. Literally, it breaks down as the commissioned ones, and the apostles were the ones who were witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they would write the New Testament, and they would have authority within the early church during those years before the New Testament was settled. In many ways, they were foundational gifts that helped the church become established there in the first century. But then there were also some that were given the gift of evangelism, the evangelist. And the evangelists 
are those that have a gift for missions. Perhaps you enjoy cross-cultural missions, or you enjoy helping new churches or new things get started, or you enjoy uh, taking the gospel to people that have never heard, and you like to share the gospel, then it's very likely you might have the gift of evangelism. Some have been given the gift of pastoring, and you have a natural gift to shepherd people, and whenever someone is hurting, you're there to encourage them and pray for them, and that's just natural to your makeup that you want to shepherd and care for other individuals, and that can be a gift from the Holy Spirit. Some have the gift of teaching, and you like to look at Scripture and break it down and teach it. You like to help people grow in their faith and understand the things of God more and more, and so that's your natural gift that God has given you. You need to use that gift for His glory. Well, why does God give us spiritual gifts? Let me share with you from the rest of the passage three reasons why God gives us spiritual gifts. The first is to stabilize us. Now look again to verse 12. In verse 12, the Bible says, "...for the training of the saints in the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ." So these gifts are given to us that we can train one another in what it means to do ministry, to build up the body of Christ... Then look at verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith. Now, this is specifically talking about unity in those things which we believe in the faith, those core essentials. We have unity there, and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Now, verse 14 kind of helps you understand what verses 12 and 13 is setting up. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. A few years ago, back when my daughters were just toddlers, uh, our family went up to the shops up there in Allen. You ever been to those shops that they have up there We were doing shopping, which is one of my least favorite things on earth to do, but that's what we were doing that day, and we found a hamburger place back at the very back of the shops. It's a great place to blow $8 on a bad hamburger. If you ever want to go there, I can tell you where it is, but uh, we ate the hamburger. We paid our $50 bill for three burgers, and we went to the car, and as I was opening the car and trying to help the girls get in their car seat, they had these little plastic balls that they liked to play with. Well, those plastic balls fell out of the car. And they started rolling across the parking lot. Well, to make matters worse, worse, the wind was blowing about 20, 25 miles per hour that day. So immediately the girls start screaming for me, Dad, to go get the balls. So I start chasing these balls, and the wind is just blowing it all across the parking lot. So I'm like weaving traffic. I would get over to it, and then the wind would blow it over here. This goes on for like five minutes until finally... Through the grace of God, the balls lodged up against a wall, and I was able to grab them, and I returned to the vehicle a conquering hero. I mean, I was the hero super dad within my family because I had found those windblown balls. Now, I have a point in that story, but before I get to that point, I just want to say when it comes to the religious discussion that is out there today, 
to be perfectly honest with you, there are a lot of religious quacks out there. Now, don't be paranoid. I mean, not everybody's out to get you. Not everybody's out to deceive. But there's a lot of people that are teaching the Bible, that are teaching theology, that they are just not sound. What makes it a little bit difficult is that a religious quack never comes up to you and says, Hi, I'm a religious quack. Let me teach you about the Bible. Uh, And we also live in a day and age where anybody can self-publish and so they can write a book. Uh, You can have a blog. You may not have anything intelligent to say, but you can have a blog and everybody can hear your thoughts. And so a lot of people are pouring a lot of stuff out there that is just not religiously or not, not biblically, I should say, sound. And then sometimes because uh, Christianity in some cases has become a business, sometimes they are cunning, clever, and deceitful, and they can come in very attractive and desirable packages. Again, don't be paranoid about this, but do pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to what you're reading. Pay attention to the source from where it's coming, because not everything is sound. And it's easy when you're young in your Christian faith or when you're at a transition point. I see this a lot. Those of us, and again, you know, you know my story, most of y'all do, that I was raised in church. And there comes this point where you kind of transition from your parents' faith to your own faith. And you, you kind of take that next step. And it's easy at that transition point or it's easy whenever you are emotionally vulnerable because of something that has happened in your life, it's easy at that point to be blown around chasing after truth like I chased after those plastic balls. And you find yourself just following whatever teacher is there, here and there, and you don't have any stability or soundness to you because your mind is just chasing after whatever you hear at the moment. I just want to say when it comes to the church, I am thankful for the people in the church that God has gifted to help. And as I look at my own life, having grown up in church, there have been people that have come alongside me that have helped stabilize me, have helped mature me. There there are men that have modeled for me, okay, this is what a godly man is. There are ladies that have modeled, this is what a godly lady is, and and there's a lot of great teaching that's out there. There's a lot of great teaching on TV or books that you can read. There's some really good stuff online, but one of the things that the church does is it provides relationships, and part of what the local church does is through those relationships, it gives you a stability And it helps you with a maturity as you grow in the faith. You see, uh, whenever you come to the same church week after week, eventually people get to know you beyond the, hey, how are you doing today? And they start knowing your weaknesses and they start knowing a little bit about your life and they know some of the struggles that you're going through. And because of that, we're in this journey together and it's through these different gifts these different perspectives. It's through life being lived together that a lot of Christian discipleship takes place 
and a lot of maturity and stability uh, comes into your walk with Christ. So I say, be careful what you listen to, read that's out there. Don't be paranoid about that stuff. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there, but understand that God has also organized his movement, the church, into local assemblies where you live life with people, and through those relationships, you find stability and you are encouraged to grow in maturity and be more like Christ. Well, a second reason why God gives the church spiritual gifts is to give us perspective. Look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head. Now, let's break this down a little bit. Most of the time, whenever we come across verse 15, we get stuck right there at the very first phrase, but speaking the truth in love. Now, I want to encourage you not to be shy about speaking the truth. There are a lot of people that uh, don't want Christians to speak up that much anymore, and it's okay for you to speak the truth of your faith. It's okay for you to take your stands. It's okay for you to be bold, but there's also a tendency to abuse this idea. We come across these words here, and the Bible says, speaking the truth, and so there's a tendency for us to look at that and say, well, the Bible tells me to speak the truth. Well, you know what? I'm going to do just that. I'm going to tell it like it is. The Bible tells me so, so everybody's going to know where I stand. And you just kind of blurt it out there, and you can be very rude about it. And, yeah, you're taking your stand, but you're doing it in a in a way which doesn't really draw people to the cross. Instead, it pushes people away from the cross. So notice that the passage says, speak the truth. Don't run from the truth. Don't be soft on the truth at all, but you speak the truth in love. So here's the key question. Why are you speaking the truth? Because the intent of your truth must be that you genuinely care about the other person or the audience. You're hoping to see people grow and mature, experience the grace and forgiveness and the, the good news of the gospel. And so the, the motivation, the attitude behind your speaking the truth is ultimately love. So if you think about love being your motivator, then that's going to drive how and when and why you speak the truth. If you speak your mind just so everyone can hear what's on your mind, then you're out of your mind if you think that that somehow makes you kind. We speak the truth because we genuinely love somebody and we hope that they will experience the good news of the gospel and that their life will be changed by the power of God just as our own life was changed. Now, the passage also says that as we speak the truth in love, we grow in every way into Christ. We, we grow in every way into Him who is the head, Christ. So the idea is that the church is the body, Christ is the head, and that we are growing so that we follow the lead, we follow Christ, and we grow in every way, every different part of the body is growing. So we don't have like stunted growth in our arms and really long growth in our legs. We're growing in every way. And as we think about the body that is the church, 
we all have different spiritual gifts, and those different gifts can bring perspective to spiritual truth. Now, that doesn't mean that truth changes based on perspective. I mean, truth is truth, but you can have a spiritual truth, and based on how God has knit you together, you'll have a different perspective that you come to that truth with. Let, let me give you an example. Uh, my, I have two older sisters. My oldest sister has the gift of mercy. My middle sister has the gift of evangelism. And then I, I've been gifted with the gift of teaching. And so when it comes to spiritual truths, my, my oldest sister is always trying to figure out, okay, how can we care about people? I mean, she has a very tender heart. She's always wanting to be there and to help people uh, when they're most vulnerable and just wants to care about them. My middle sister is always about, okay, how can we get them saved, okay? That's what we really need to do is just get them saved. And so she's very evangelistic in her, her approach. And then I'm like, okay, no, I've got to explain the faith to them, okay? So let's break it down and let's look at it here, you know? And we all three have different spiritual gifts that we bring into the church. Well, Whenever you, and you see this in a life group class. You, you open the Word of God and you start studying it, and the different spiritual gifts come out because there's one truth there in the Bible, but people begin to have different applications as to how that truth works in, in real life. And it's these different perspectives that, that help us to grow. And if you'll do some listening sometimes, you'll discover that God has equipped other people in the church with gifts that complement yours, and whenever you listen to them and work with them, you find yourself growing and maturing in ways that you wouldn't grow if it weren't for the body coming together and all the parts working together within the body that is the church. Now, there's a third reason that God gives us spiritual gifts, and that is to make us one. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, from him. Now, who is him? in the passage. Talk to me. Christ, Jesus, yes. From him, the whole body. Now, who's the body in the passage? The church. Good job. You guys are getting A's today, okay? From him, the whole body, that's our church, is fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. So, from Christ, he puts together the body, which is our church. The church is not an accident. He has fitted us together. He has knit us together, and we are supported by the supporting ligaments. You'll remember earlier in the passage, or in last week, we talked about the, the bond that we have. The Holy Spirit bonds us together, and I gave you that rudimentary uh, medical lesson that we have ligaments in our body which connect bones to bones, and so the various gifts and the various people that are in the church, we are knit together by the Holy Spirit so that together we support one another and we become a body and we use our gifts to serve God and to serve one another. And then the Bible says that promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. You see, when everybody starts using their gifts, the body of Christ begins moving with fluidity. 
when everybody starts using their gifts, the body of Christ begins maturing. The body of Christ begins meeting needs. The body of Christ begins expanding, starting new churches, reaching people that haven't heard. When everybody starts using their gifts, that's whenever you begin to see the power of the Holy Spirit really begin to unfold and you begin to see God do some things that only God can do. So the question, as you look back at your life, what gifts have you received from God? And as you look ahead to 2016, how can you use these gifts that God has given you to honor Him and to help others? I am so very, very thankful for all those that use their gifts here at Murphy Road week in, week out. Thankful for our musicians. Thankful for those that greet people and make this a hospitable place where you walk in and there's someone with a smile on their face. Thankful for those of you that teach, those of you that serve on ministry teams. I'm thankful for right now for those that are working in the nursery. If it weren't for those that are working back with our preschoolers, it'd be a lot louder in here. It might even smell pretty bad in here. If it weren't for them, I'm thankful for these people. I mean, all throughout our church, people are using their gifts so that we can be the body of Christ. And as we grow and mature, as we care for one another, as we grow in the faith to be more like Christ, the mission of the church is fulfilled. The body moves with fluidity and unity because we are growing up in Christ. I want to close with the first three verses of this section. We talked about these last week, but I think it ultimately summarizes everything that I've, I've tried to say today. The Bible says in verse 1 of Ephesians 4, Therefore I urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, and diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. And now, for your favorite part in every sermon, would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we come to our time of commitment. The musicians are going to come. They're going to lead us in singing. If you're here today and you need to make a decision to believe in Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would love to talk with you about that. I'll be here at the front during this song. I'll also be here after the service, and I would love to help you make that decision to become a follower of Christ today. If there's anything that I can pray with you about, it's always my joy to be a pastor to you, to pray with you. I know some of you during this time may want to spend some time in prayer yourself. Others will want to worship with the band. Let us go before the Lord in prayer right now. Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that our church is not an accident. Thank you, Lord, that you've gathered us from different backgrounds, that you've equipped us with different gifts. Pray, Lord, that we might use the gifts that we have received from you, for you. And I pray, Lord, that we might use these gifts to help the church fulfill its mission, to help other people. Lord, help us not to be satisfied with just coming to this room once a week and leaving, but help us, Lord, to be a part of of the body, so that as we all do our part, as we all function, 
we find unity and we find movement and we're able to do things that we would never be able to do without one another. Thank you for this church. May your blessings be upon it. In Jesus' name, amen.